My name is Chris Blitzarves and welcome to Chasing Your Greatness. Today's guest is Bruce Cater, founder and CEO of One Sports and Entertainment, a global talent agency working with some of the most recognizable brands and people in sports and entertainment. BK has over 25 years of experience in business, marketing and sports and prides himself on his ability to help people take the next step in their careers and achieve the goals they're chasing. In today's conversation, it's clear to see how passionate he is about the work he does. We touch on how he almost unintentionally found his way into this line of work, how he turned his side hustle into his full-time career, the chaos of the job, and why work-life balance doesn't exist. And even if it did, would we really want it to? BK is as insightful as they come and has an amazing outlook on life. This conversation is full of valuable takeaways and gives a unique look behind the curtain into the world of talent management. He explains what makes his clients and him fit together and goes into why he won't take on somebody that doesn't meet that criteria. This is a great discussion for anyone looking for what it takes to be successful or simply anybody trying to understand how high achievers think. As always, if you haven't picked up your copy of Chase Your Greatness yet, you can do so by jumping on Amazon, jumping in the search bar, and simply popping in Chase Your Greatness. Anyway, get the notepad out. Here's my conversation with Bruce Cater. There you go. On. Born and raised in Venezuela. This lady was amazing. She was born and raised in Venezuela. She's worked in Europe. She's lived and worked in Australia. She's now in Silicon Valley. And hearing her journey about what she's done and how she's done it. But the thing that I loved most about her, it was so funny when we were talking, was just her graciousness and her love for what she does and her love for connecting people. You know, at no point did I feel like, you know, that there was an obligation or anything like that. She was just so lovely. And since we've spoken, I've introduced her to three people and she's had calls with two of them. Yeah, cool. And then followed up with an email and circled back and was just... And I was like, if you saw her LinkedIn page, she's a PhD, she's a doctor, she's actually an engineer by trade. Um, Really impressive lady. Um, Great business, big business, big investor. But when you see her talking on Zoom, just like you and I talking now, Mm, yeah, so nice to see, like just that graciousness. But my point is, I think she would be someone that you could talk to and she's so insightful and brings such a diverse like way of thinking she's mm. you know as an engineer and she's worked in everything yeah fascinating lady yeah just it's, listening to her speak it's nice, <laughs> it's nice to see people like that though like that are you know have got every every right to sort of have that head wobble about them but just don't I, I was having this conversation with another one of our clients who's working with a um, really high profile person in the US and I said to him what's he like What's this guy like? Because obviously we all know who it is, right? You can see him on TV and movies and whatever. I said, how would you describe him? Because you've been around a lot of high-profile people. He said, gracious. Mm. And I said, like, what do you mean? He's like, mate, he gives everyone the time of day. doesn't matter who you are. You could be the CEO of the company or you could be the guy that's working on the company floor, you know, in a factory. And he still speaks to you the same way. Mm. He said, one of the most gracious blokes. And the thing that... I guess I reflected on that one. I was like, wow, this guy's got plenty of money. Like, more than he needs, right? That would finance him 
his family it's probably it's generational wealth Mm. so much money but can still be humble enough and gracious enough to give you or me the time of day if we walked past them or interacted with them Mm. and I thought that's success yeah. Like that isn't that isn't that nice if you can get to a point where you can be that gracious when you're that successful, mm. rather than being you know having your head in your ass or whatever it is. It's just nice to kind of come across someone in that position that's actually got their head screwed on properly. Screwed on properly, and and also you know obviously very aware of who they are, what they do, um, what they've got, but hasn't let the like define who they are. Mm. Like they don't let that define them. Yeah they still are happy to be a regular person, you know, and then the same day, you know, go and jump on the private plane and fly home. But you wouldn't have picked that up when you had that interaction. And I I think for me, the more I do this, the more people I get to know all around the world in different, you know, um, whether it's sport, music, entertainment, the people that, you know, that I love talking to and, and spending time with the most are the ones that are, or have a degree of being humble and gracious but I also know this and you know this too mate you've grown up around sport yourself you know to be the best at sport or in business or whatever it is you have to have an edge to you as well mm. you know you have to be selfish you have to be you know one dimensional at times where you're just focused on yourself and yourself only because if you want to be the best that's what it really obviously sometimes requires take sacrifice you but gotta, it's, you got to sacrifice all the other other little things that float around outside the edges absolutely people it's relationships it's friendships it's you know um commitments you know you see that but i think you know the ultimate high performers i mean if you the, the best mix would be to have that but to be then be able to also float over here and go and when we're sitting down normally having a coffee just be gracious and nice mm. and friendly mm. And I think it's a really, like it's a, a refined skill that you have to learn of how you come in and out of that. Mm. That's the tough thing. And I think when you're young, you know, you're trying to be the best athlete, but you probably haven't learned that gracious piece yet. But it's as you get older. And then I think what happens too, you get to a point where you probably get it and it's probably coming to an end. Yeah. <laughs> you get to that yeah, point where yeah, it's yeah. like, I've now got the mix right. Shit, I don't have long enough to yeah. go. <laughs> I can't I can't maximize yeah. this. I've got all I've got it I've got my whole tool like my all yeah. my toolbox full of all my tools here. But I shit, I haven't got long to be enough yeah. to be around. Yeah. And you know, then they, you know, stay on as mentors or coaches or whatever. Mm. So almost it's, they take they take another it takes another form then you Yeah. It's like the ability to perform has gone but the mental skills are there and then you're like, all right, well, now that I've finally got my shit together, let's see if I can pass it on to as many people as I can. Right. Mm. And it, and I think that when you look at success and I think there's, that, that for me is if you can do that and it's hard, I mean, because depending on what you do and depending on what your life is after, you know, sport, music, entertainment, whatever, when your time's up and you're transitioning into the next life, it, it, it takes a bit to, if you're still involved in it, you know, does it work? Am I able to do that? Does it make, does it matter? Mm. You know, I think that's the other thing too, is like, I think there's a lot of people that go, do people really care? Yeah. Like, are they really interested? Yeah. I've found, it's so funny, like, and I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm anywhere near the end of my professional life. Um, like I just turned 30. Mate, you're a young man. Yeah, so I've got, I've got plenty of, plenty of miles <laughs> left in the league. Yeah, I hope you're not saying, oh mate, I'm coming to the end of my, <laughs> no, like, no, what are we going to tell Steph? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> you're about to retire, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, 
But it is funny, like, you, the longer you go through life, the more you realise that less people actually care. Like, no one cares. Like, yeah. you've got to take care of yourself and you'll have you and your immediate circle that care about one another. But outside of that, everyone's just looking for their own. It's nuts. Yeah, and I think it's definitely magnified in sport, right? Like, in the worlds that we live in, sport and entertainment, it's magnified even more because it's they're magnified even more. So the world that you live in is so, you know, under the, the microscope. Um Again, you know, it goes back to that gracious thing. And I think it's really stuck with me over the last couple of weeks, this conversation, because I'm like, I think now for me, gracious, humble, you know, I mean, we've got some clients that, you know, I think, you know, I look at Matthew Delavadova as an example, probably one of the most gracious, humble men you'll meet, like an outstanding guy, but the ultimate competitor, you know, works harder than anyone that I've seen as an athlete like don't get me wrong I've got lots of athletes and, and clients that work really really hard but he is to to an extreme and I mean it was a funny I don't know if you saw that clip that was on there's a clip going around on Instagram at the moment uh, where JR JR Smith and JJ Reddick are talking about Delhi in the 2015 mm. yeah. series where he's like he's coming out party mate he yeah and you know I remember I was over there for that and I remember he had to go into the hospital one night um, to have it to have a drip like put to re rehydrate because he just worked himself well and truly into the ground. It's exactly what they were saying. Um, but you know, I think he's one person that I'm around that I think you know has a really nice balance of that. You know, he's been ultra successful in in sport, um, but he also prioritizes his family and everything else that you know outside of that. And I think also you know being a good person is also absolutely. Um, top of that list mm. but I th- also think it comes back to how the way you're brought up the people that are around you there's a lot of factors right you know if you're around good people you've been raised properly you know you guys like as a family you, you know you've been raised well you've been you know I, I think it really comes back to that you know what you've had as as a, as a kid and what your background is and I think that obviously shapes who you are as an adult obviously it can change when you get put in those extreme environments of professional sport music entertainment film whatever but I think if your, your DNA is solid you, you, you might have some moments where you deviate but you come back to centre mm. of what you know what's right for you and what you know and what what works best I guess when you go in the extremes of those you know high or high profile environments or um, you know those real intense settings of sport or music or film where you know the the public eyes everywhere and the spotlights on and everyone's trying to climb over the, the next person to get ahead like you really see those who have got a strong moral compass and yeah who have been raised well and are still good people it's not hard to be a good person like it's, it's nice to it is nice to see good people in those environments it gives you faith in humanity i guess to, to an extent because it no it and it's you know it's also yeah mate you're spot on you're absolutely spot on and I I think it's a and I think there's more good people than there isn't Mm. (laughs) like I truly do I I just don't think we get to see it all Mm. because you know the media it doesn't sell hey it doesn't sell good people don't sell right because the media don't necessarily want that story Mm. right we don't want to hear Chris Blitzars was a great guy he was down helping underprivileged kids this weekend and you know, took his kids down to a food, you know, or a shelter and helped. You know, man, it sounds okay. Not that cool. We'd much rather hear that Chris Blitzars was out tonight with unknown identified person, persons. Mm. Who was he out with? Yeah. Shit, he's married, right? Wow. Like, 
And there may not be anything to that story whatsoever, but listen to the way we've talked about, oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, that's cool over here. You took the kids down there and did that. That's nice and good on you, mate. Like, mm. well done, you're a good person. But hey, what did you do over here? Yeah. And we are part of that problem because we like to consume it as mm. consumers. You know, I try so hard now. I don't read any tabloids. I, I refuse to, um, you know, buy into, you know, those online publications that, and I don't even want to name them, but those online publications that are very good at sensationalizing things. You know, I, I wouldn't even say they're issues because sometimes it's their something, nothing stories. Mm. Um, but, but we as a society and we as humans click on it. Like we like it because mm. there's a reason why they're writing it. It's because people are consuming it and want to know. Yeah. It's, do you reckon there's an element of us wanting to close the gap from the elite to the mediocre? Like I feel like nowadays everyone is living in a world of mediocrity and they don't want to work for things. They don't want to go and achieve things and they're happy just in their own little bubble. And then when they see people who have gone the next step, and have broken out of that and have gone to achieve things, then we're just looking for ways to drag them back to the pack. It's like the whole crabs in a bucket theory, right? Like yeah. you get crabs in a bucket, they all start trying, trying to climb out. You see one from the bottom reach Good up. Analogy. Yeah, no, mate, it it's, you visualize that and you go, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I think in, I think Australian society, I think, um, I mean, I've had this view for a while that I, you know, as a, as a society, I think we're set up for, for equality like when I say that I mean like everyone should be equal you know you look at our tax system right I don't want to bore everyone by talking about tax but you're like right if you earn a lot more we'll tax you a lot more you know if you do these things we'll, we'll do these things to equal you back you know so that society so there's not a difference between top and bottom because you look at societies where that is and I've seen it in third world countries you know where I've been able to travel around you know whether it's India China even Indonesia there's a really distinct difference between top and bottom. Whereas in Australia, the top and bottom, the gap's not as great. Mm. And I think as a, as a, as a country, we, we like that. So what we don't want to do is have you jump too far, too high. Mm. Once you start jumping a bit high, we're going to just peg you back a little bit. And, you know, does that come back to what you said around mediocrity? Like, are we, are we happy to celebrate it? Maybe that's dramatic saying we celebrate mediocrity but I don't know, know if we really want to celebrate greatness mm. and achievement to yeah. that level. You know, like it's, we want you to be successful to a point. Mm. But not too successful. Not too successful mm. and not too far from me. Mm. So, cause I could never achieve that, but I don't want the gap to be that far where I'm like, oh, maybe, or no, nah, no chance. Mm. I'll never get there. And you look at it in America, maybe it's extreme. I'm not saying it's a great case study at all, but it's definitely designed as a society to, for people to thrive. You work hard, you do well, whether that's sport, music, entertainment, whatever it is, business, you can grow and grow and grow and grow. And sometimes they bring themselves undone, but society doesn't necessarily attack them the way society does in Australia. Hmm. Um, so I think we've all got a part to play in that. You know, should we be happy for people to be successful? Yeah. If they've done the work, if they're self-made, you know, yeah, absolutely, you should be. You know, let's let's not be jealous. Mm. Let's actually look at them and go, hey, or let's try and learn from them. Hey, what did you do? I'll go look at you and go, what did you do in what you're doing that maybe I could learn from 
that could maybe help me in doing what I'm doing to be better. Mm. I don't know. I think then that comes back to how your DNA works and then how you're made and what, what what drives you as a person. But I truly think most people deep down do want to achieve, Mm. actually do want to do good things and actually do want to try to be better than what they are. I do. I truly believe it. It's just, it's, yeah, and and me too. Like, I I feel like it just takes a little bit of a a slight mindset shift. And then part of the the whole podcasting thing that I'm trying to do with this is speak to as many different people from as many different walks of life as I can that have done a lot of pretty cool things and learn from them. Like, it's under the guise of a podcast and under the guise of chasing your greatness and, you know, the self-help aspect of it, I guess. But selfishly, I'm just like, this is cool. Like, I just get to talk to a lot of cool people who have done a lot of cool things and learn as much as I can. And, yeah, I mean, if it helps other people, great. But, I mean, it is a bit selfish because I I get to sit across the table from, you know, from someone such as yourself and, you know, learn a bunch of things over the next hour or so that I could probably walk out of here and take into my life with me as well. There's always self-interest. I say that all the time. There's always self-interest. Like in anything that you do, you're doing the podcast because there's got to be something in it for you. Mm. It's not all about helping me. It's not about helping other people. It's also helping you, right? Mm. Everything we do has an element of self-interest. And I think if it doesn't have self-interest, then the motivation for you to do it, you've got to question it and going, right? Like, and don't get me wrong. I think there's some great things that we can do that, you know, there is no self, you know, um, reward return. But more often than not, if you're getting up in the morning, six o'clock, five o'clock, whatever the, whatever the time is to go and do something, there's something in it for you personally, professionally, you know, physically, whatever that is, there's, there's a return for you. Mm. There's a return on your time. I talk about return on time all the time. Return on time all the time. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, <laughs> there's got to be a return on your time. If you're going to come and do this, what are you going to get out of it? Mm. That's Okay. And I think once people accept that, that you know what, there's something in it for you, there's something in it for me, and there's something in it for someone else, that's okay. It's cool. It should be that way. Mm. Like, we've all got everything we do. You buy me a coffee today. Your self-interest was if I buy him a coffee today, you know what, he'll actually do a good job speaking to me. <laughs> I don't buy him a coffee. <laughs> He's going to talk shit. He'll wrap this up in 15 minutes. Right? Like, get out. I've got He's stuff gonna to do. He's going to give me nothing. I'll be like, tight ass didn't buy me a coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, little things like that. We joke about it. But those gestures, like little little things, it's, you know, it's because it also helps you. Mm. And I think we should just acknowledge it. Yeah. To sit but, there and go, oh, I'm selfless. And no, you are. 100% we all are, right? But there's also elements where it's, what's in it for me too mm, for sure for sure um it was probably a bit more of a unique start to the podcast um <laughs> i like doing things different yeah, mate. <laughs> well, mate, we just roll out and, and see where it goes but um i guess one sports and entertainment um owner founder ceo yep. talk me through how it started how it came about yeah um look i guess for me always love sport um, you know, my passion really going through school was I wanted to be a pilot. You know, I love aviation. I love travel. I love planes. I love anything to do with flying. So my whole passion was I wanted to be a pilot. Got to the end of school. Um, there was a whole range of factors that came into it. You know, I got into a course at Swinburne in aviation and then realized just what the cost would be for my parents because I obviously couldn't afford it. And my parents had always said to me, 
we will pay for your education. If you go to school and you study, we'll pay for your education. So I looked at that and I was like, you know, the number now probably doesn't sound that crazy, but back that, you know, I won't say how long ago it was because it'll give away my age, but it was long enough ago where you went, wow, that's a lot of money that they're going to have to have to cough up. So I actually spoke to a careers teacher at school and God love her. She goes, well, you love sport. You've played sport, you know, reasonably competitively your whole life. What do you think about a career in sport? Okay. There's sports management degrees and courses. Yeah, okay. I felt like it was second. I actually felt like at the time, I'm going to settle for sport now. I want to be in aviation. If I do this, will I be satisfied? And at that point, I wasn't sure, right? But what I did know is I didn't want to put my parents in a financial situation that was... I mean, I think they probably could have done it, but it would have... I would have had... There would have been a massive expectation on my shoulders about, you know... Return, giving them a return on that. Mm. So I was like, I'm gonna to have to make a call here. Anyway, started studying, got into a sport management degree, did the sport management degree, which was cool. You know, learned a lot, did a lot. Um, was fortunate to do a work placement in an AFL club. You know, started to, to learn the ropes. Um, worked there, so I got a job with that club. Um, worked with that club for, what was it now? Probably would have been close to six or seven years. Um, Moved out of that into a multi-sport event. So I went from an AFL club to a big international multi-sport event. It was at that multi-sport event where I went, where um, I was in the sponsorship team. And so I looked after a lot of really high-profile clients, like in brands. And one particular day, I was sitting in my, my pod. Uh, in it, It's gone now. It's the old Melbourne Convention Centre, Exhibition Centre, the area there sitting at my desk and one of the media and PR team came over and said, hey, um, Lauren Jackson's agent manager has called and they want to do a like a deal with us where if we help do introductions to corporates, our brands, she will do ticket launches and other announcements and things for us. I was like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Like, So I took it to my boss and we went through it and was like, yep, okay, cool, no dramas. Um, Lauren and her then manager came down, met with us. Um, I might just put a little asterisk here and go, at, at this point, I had no intention of doing anything about being an agent, right? <laughs> Let me just put a little asterisk here. I had no intention of being an agent or anything or representing anyone. Yeah, no drums. She came down. We got along really well. Um, she she would come back to Melbourne for different things. He was based on he was based on the south coast of New South Wales. Hard for him to get back and forward from Melbourne, so I ended up being a person who take her around, be around, you know, her these events announcements. We just built a really nice. We got along really well. We had a great relationship. Um, so fast forward the end of the games, she approached me and said, "Hey, you know, we've we've got along really well. Would you consider like working and representing me?" I was like yeah I mean I've never done it before I don't know what it looks like um, but it can't be any different to what I've done here where I've represented brands or you know businesses and done commercial deals it's got to be somewhat the same Mm. just you know slightly different because it's a person not a you know not a brand so we started working together back in 2000 and what was that now 2006 Um, and for me that was the the start of this this journey of being an agent I guess you know what was it for me that was the driving force I actually really wanted to help these athletes 
and to create opportunities and, and also really to set them up for financial freedom. Really, that's I just wanted to help them make money, set themselves up so that they could live their best life. Really, that was the intention because I'd already had, I've got a career, I was already doing my job, I was already working in, mm. you know, a major, like a major event. So I ended up going overseas to work. Um, I was still looking after her. And so I'd come back to Australia probably every three months and see her catch up, we'd speak, email, didn't really have FaceTime and stuff really back then. Um, and it really just built from there, really. And then what happened from there is another client came, another client came, another client came, and it became the, great, became the greatest side hustle of all time, right? Mm. I had my full-time job, and then I had this side hustle, and it was actually ticking more boxes probably than my main job, because it was allowing me to help people. And I think if I look at it now, that was probably the purpose. Mm. I really wanted to help people. I wanted to try and see if I could make a contribution to these people who are already really successful, right, as athletes. But was there a way that I could help them? And that's really where it started. So when you look up in our office and I've got LJ's jersey here, it signifies where it started. Mm. Like this is the start of the journey with through Lauren Jackson. And, you know, I'm still really happy to say to this day, I still represent her and work with her. Yeah. And we're talking what? 16, 17 years ago. Yeah, nice. So have a great relationship. We're great friends. But that was the, that was the start of it. LJ was really the start of this journey as an agent. That's cool. That is cool. And it's it's funny that you mentioned it was a side hustle. I feel like everybody's side hustles that they come up with, they've got a, a secret desire to make them, you know, the, their full-time gig. Yep. And when you say it was checking, starting to check more boxes in your actual job, was that from a like just a personal standpoint, like in terms of how it made you, you feel and the, and the fulfillment that you got out of that role or was it more of a financial standpoint? No, it was personal. Mm. It was more that I felt like I felt so much better about helping these people directly, yeah. you know, and actually contributing to their life. And I think that's what, like I was saying, I think that's what really started for me to become the driving force behind this. And I also think it's why I was able to get more people right because my motivation wasn't about money my mm. motivation was about helping people because I had a full time job yeah. so it wasn't about the money the money wasn't driving the agenda but then I think as time went on what became apparent well I had to make a choice at some point you know I had to make a choice about whether I do it full time whether I don't um, when, when was that point? Um, that point was in 2000 it was about 2010 it started to get too big mm. as a side hustle because what was happening is I would have to work. So I'd get up in the morning at 5 a.m., go and train at the gym or whatever because I love to train, come home, shower, get ready, go to work, work till, say, 7, eat, dinner, hang out. Then I'd work till 1 or 2 in the morning trying to do th- to keep up with things. And that that happened for probably about three years. Mm. So I was, it was just I was burning it hard like night in night out thankfully didn't have kids thankfully was young enough to be able to do it don't know if I could do it today with two kids and Mm. just being older you know I just don't know if I could actually physically do that demanding having said that I still probably work as much but I was I had all these different stakeholders I had my clients my little business over here then I had like a team and then I had another boss and a board and everything that I had to work through so there was just so many stakeholders I had to manage on a day-to-day basis and I think I did a reasonably reasonably good job and I was really good at keeping them separate as best I could. Um, but it was really the passion for helping people. It wasn't money. Mm. 
I figure that that is probably why you've managed to grow your business in the way you have. Like, I, f- I feel like people people have a pretty good bullshit detector. Like, and I feel like everybody's got one. It doesn't matter what what your life circumstances are. You can you can see through people's bullshit really really easily. I think and you know for starting it with with LJ who's arguably the best female basketballer the world's ever seen and I'm assuming that it all came from word of mouth from that as well but you know your clients that you're getting are all you know can see through they're not they're not you know you're not bullshitting them when they step in the door like you, they can see the you know you're genuine about your reasons why you're doing things and you're genuine about wanting to help people in the way you want to help them like it's not it's 100%. not just like oh just you're as they walk through the door you're not sort of seeing dollar bills roll over their heads like yeah but i can make this much money off you i can make this much money off you because people see through that like and that's where you see other people probably in your industry that are you know they've got a revolving door of clients that are in they're out they're in they're out like whereas you've managed to i'm a you know, probably keep your, your client base pretty consistent and solid over, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. No, you're spot on, mate. And I, and I think for me, we've never... I mean, I could probably be making a lot more money doing something else to be really... If I was being really honest and transparent, if I was working in another industry, you know, if I was working in, you know, say, a, another startup or working as a CEO of another sporting organisation or, you know, going to work in, you know... You know finance here or overseas and you know whether it's you know venture capital private equity can make a lot more money doing that right but it doesn't drive the internal passion that i've got for helping these people which i have which drives me every day Mm. um again you know the self-interest part there's definitely got to be some self-interest so it's got to it's still got to pay for itself right for your time but i would definitely give up money to keep doing this rather than chase the the dollars doing something else because mm. the 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 internal satisfaction that you get from helping these people in all facets of their life because it's bigger than just a contract or an endorsement deal it's personal as well you know there's lots of things you I mean you've seen it with you know your, your sister even you know with helping her with running you know building her business mm you don't see that that's not something that get you go oh that's what my agent was part of that or helped me with that or helped guide that that's not what people normally see or do but that gives me so much satisfaction to see her one happy two I know that if she's got focus on something outside of her sport she's going to be a better athlete and have a longer career mm. so in doing those things actually helps her become a better athlete <laughs> indirectly mm. because she's got other focus so she, when she goes home after a loss she hasn't got time to sit there and dwell on herself and her team and everything that she's done wrong. Yeah, she'll have to reflect on it. Yeah, there's a review process. Yep, yeah, all those things as part of being a professional sports person. But she knows the next morning she's got to wake up because she's got probably 60 orders she's going to have to pack. Mm. Got to get over it <laughs> quickly because I've got to get up early. Yeah, And I think it gives them, definitely extends their careers by having that dual focus. Oh, you got to. Well, and it's like anything. You've, you've, got, you've got to be able to separate work and life like everyone talks about the work-life balance and you know you take the nine to five example you're in you're locked in to work between the hours of nine and five and then the moment you step out the door you've got a it's a it's a skill and it's an art that takes work to be able to kind of switch off and move on to the next one because then you see you know relationships break down and you see family life break down and all these other things that can't you know that that fall by the wayside side because people can't switch off like it it I feel like people don't understand that you've got to have something else to 
dive your to put your time and your effort into because doing that will allow you to just relax and recharge the batteries for your nine to five it's yeah, you've it got is. To, I think having both, having two things, but it's funny you bring up the work-life balance thing because I have a really, I think, a strong view on this. Whereas I don't think it exists. Mm. I don't think there's a such thing as a work-life balance because I think if you give all your time to your family and your personal life, then your business suffers. If you give it all to your, you know, like the balance is really never there, and I don't think it helps because something will suffer. Mm. And then you have to make tough calls going, well, you know, at this point, I'm going to let my business go on the back burner because I need to give it to my family. I don't think you'll ever get to a point where they're both humming exactly how you want them to hum. Family life's perfect. Kids are happy. Wife's happy. Everyone's good. Oh, business is growing at 30% a year. I'm waiting for the person that comes out with the model that actually can demonstrate that that works because I just haven't been able to see it in my 25 years of working where you can actually get it to be equal. So the seesaw sitting there at an equal point, mm. it, it one side's up, the other one's up. Like it's constant. You're trying to balance it so it's not as extreme. I just don't know how you can actually get it where I sit here and you say, I go, mate, how's life at home? You go, mate, brilliant. Love it. 100%. Steph's great. Kids are awesome. It has worked. Oh, mate, kicking goals. At killing it. Wow. Tell me your secret sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how'd you do it? Because yeah. <laughs> I, mate, I don't think I've, I, I can't master that. Nah. And you, you, you've got to have good people around you, right? I think that's important too. Family, your wife, girlfriend, partner, whatever it is, that can understand. I think it's been around high achievers and high performers too, right? Mm. If you're someone who sets high, high expectations for yourself, it, you're going to have this dilemma at some point in your life. Yeah, and that, I think that goes to the people in your circle too because if you are, you do surround yourself with the right people who understand that background as well, yep. they get it. Yep, like, totally. Because like Steph, for example, has played you know well over 300 games at WNBL. Like she's represented Australia. She's been an elite athlete. She gets the sacrifice. She gets the fact that if you want to be good at something, something's got to give. You've got to, you've got to give your time somewhere. That's where athletes are great. Mm. They get it. You know, they're, they're actually really good at that stuff. Mm. Like they, they understand 100%. So she knows with you, hey, I'm trying to build this. Okay, I know exactly what you have to do because there's no different when I was trying to build on this and I was trying to be a WNBL player or trying to make the national team. I had to give up and mm. sacrifice all this. It helps, mate, because if you weren't with someone who understood that, that would be, heads a hell of a lot. be hard work. Yeah, for sure. Really, having that supporting partner, um, I think makes all the difference. Mm. And I mean, you talked about those breakdowns. I think that's where the disconnect lies. It's like someone doesn't understand what the other person's trying to do or has to do to be the best at what they do. Mm. You see it overseas. I mean, I saw it when I go to India. I see it firsthand there, the real life. When you've got 1.4 billion people it's so competitive if you're not doing the one percenters right and you're not doing the little extra you don't get ahead and you don't get the opportunity because there's so many people coming through that are happy to do that point that that midpoint but you've got to keep chipping away chipping away now i'm not saying it's necessarily healthy because it probably takes competition to the whole next level of like got to work 24 hours a day to be more competitive that's crazy you can't do that but you see it more there in those markets than you do probably in Australia because the difference between making it and not making it, 
and whatever that's defined as, you know, everyone has a different sort of definition, but the reward, the return's big. Mm. Or <laughs> the, 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 the non-return is big too. You're at the bottom of the food chain and that's also provides a lot of challenges. Whereas in Australia, top and bottom, we talked about before, the, the, you know, we're trying to be equal. You know, mate, you can live a good life just chipping away here. You know, you might be happy. Mm. If you want a little bit extra, work a little bit more. Over there, it's like, it's, it's, it's a very killer. noticeable gap in mm. difference. Very noticeable. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it is funny that way. Like, and like you said, it goes back to that whole, we're, we're comfortable here. I guess it's probably not, not a bad way to put it. Like, it's not necessarily the, um, you know, the happy with mediocrity. It's just that we're comfortable and we've comfortable is the word i reckon yeah you, you've nailed it that's yeah. the great that's a great word we, we've grown up comfortable and we you know we're nice and nice and cozy and nice and you know nestled in our comfort zone and it's it's very rare that people want to step out and try and push their limits and go and achieve whatever they want to achieve and, and work their ass off to go and get it and then it is it's like people step out and start making progress towards that and people well hang on a second what are you doing you're out of your comfort zone here come back and join come back in here with the rest of us and get nice and warm and cozy like but people don't like people aren't happy with that and it goes back to that whole lack of work-life balance right i feel like if people nailed it like they had the seesaw perfectly level yeah there'd be a certain amount of time that would go past and they'd be like no nah, i don't want this anymore and then they'd go and try and see how far they could push it without the other side getting Correct, annoyed yeah. that you just pushed that one up yeah and yep. then and then it would drop and then we're out again like yep. but i feel like people just innately want to get better like it's just built within them they want to achieve they want to want to grow and and want to learn things and want to go and continually just no, even if it's just like small incremental little steps like they just want to get a little bit better a little bit better a little bit better every day and as a result, you're never going to have that balance. And even if you find it, you're only going to be happy with it for a certain amount of time because people get bored really easily. <laughs> no, and you know yourself though, when you achieve something, right? And you know, you're a basketballer, mate. All of a sudden you start getting that little bit better. You're like, if I now do this this week, I could get that little bit better. And all of a sudden your little bits become a big mm. bit. And you become like, addicted to the process. 100% you mm. do. And, and fair enough, you're a competitor, right? And you want to be the best at whatever it is you do. And then there you go, you fall in the trap. So guess what? Your seesaw's gone like this. Mm. And then this other side's like, oh, shit, I wasn't there last night when the kids went to bed. Oh, geez, I wasn't there this morning because I got up early to go work out or work or do whatever it was that you do, whether it's you or someone else. And then this is the, this is the dilemma that I talk about going, so how do you, how do you get it balanced? Mm. It's bloody hard. But do you want it balanced? That's the, that's the question. I don't. Like if you're asking me, honestly, I don't. Because I know the best version of me for everybody is not necessarily balanced. There'll be moments where one side is definitely higher than the other, but I also know the sacrifice on the other side. That'll happen and vice versa. I, I don't necessarily want balance because balance for me is mediocrity. It's settling, it's average. Mm. Average is the midline, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> average, you're a school teacher. Yep. <laughs> average is that midline. Satis you know? Satisfactory is the buzzword in uh, Right, in the pass, education. satisfactory, whatever yep. it is. No. Like that that doesn't cut it for me personally. Mm. Everyone's different, but no, I, I don't like that's not a life I want to live. It's not what I want to show my kids. 
yeah, you know, on the journey, I look at, you know, my journey that I've been on even having the business in that, I mean, I've been fortunate to have a really supportive wife, right? You know, my wife's super supportive of my career and she knows me as a person well enough to know that if I try to clip his wings, he's going to be the worst person. So if he's only over here for this amount of time, it's going to be good. But if I don't, I might have him 30% more but I know he's going to be a miserable piece of shit because mm. I've clipped his wings and he can't do this here. So it's balanced, but he's miserable over here for most of the time. He's, a, he's grumpy. You don't, we don't want him around. We want mm. the guy, if he's only, if, if it's 30% less, but he's present, happy, engaged, take that any day. Mm. But you have to have people around you that are prepared to go accept that. You know what? I just know that's who, who he is, who she is. That's who they are. Okay, cool. You, to find that person. You're, mate, you're, you're probably in a fortunate position like I am where you've got someone who's been there, still wants to be there, gets it, is innately that type of person going, she wants to be the Right now, I'm sure she's going, I want to be the best mum possible. So her curve's probably like this. <laughs> it's not even that though. Like we were talking about, you know, and I've, I'm going to do an episode of this with Steph, which I think is going to be really cool because it's going to be completely different to podcasts that she's done because it's going to come... It's going to be an episode essentially within the four walls of our home. And cool. um, like, I think we're going to talk about, you know, shifting identities and finding your thing and that kind of thing. Because as athletes, like you, you're built competitive, like you're never, you're never comfortable with where you are. And it was funny, like you touch on that balance and how you don't want that balance. And I reckon I found a little bit of that with work like I found it was funny when I got into the SNC game um, my dad asked me what I want to do like what's my dream job that was a question he asked me and dad being dad of you know having represented the boomers at the 76 Olympics and you know having his career cut short by injury I don't think he was ever satisfied with the way his career went so was always looking to kind of push and push and push and push and whether it was push himself or push his kids or whatever it was he was always looking for the you know that that top of the top success like it's it's national level or bust essentially and he asked me the first question he asked me I stepped away from teaching and stepped in the SNC space and he goes I remember when you did that yeah, yeah nuts like we were lucky we didn't have kids at that stage so I kind of had that little bit more freedom but it was yeah what's your dream job is it to work for the Opals or work for the Boomers or Basketball Australia? Like, it wasn't even like, oh, you're going to get into a, a local gym or it was just like straight to the top, like national level and that's it. And anything below that, not a pass mark. Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, I res- I think my response kind of made him take a step back a little bit because I go, I want whatever job I'm in, I want it to be, I've got three things that I've, three boxes I've got to check. Number one, it's got to pay the bills. like, And it wasn't like I need to make X amount of dollars. It was just, I've got to keep a roof over our head, food in the belly, um, and a warm bed to sleep in. Yep. That's cool. Just yep. the essentials. Yep. Um, and not put us under any unnecessary stress. financial yeah. stress. Yeah. Number two, I've got to have enough time up my sleeve to spend with Steph and the kids. Yep. And number three, well, Steph and the kids when they come along. And number three, um, I've got to enjoy it. Like, that's it. So enough to pay the bills, enough time, like quality time to spend with my family. 
and I've got to, it's got to fill my cup, like it's got to be enjoyable. And I reckon I've managed to find those three things in what I'm doing now. And over the last few years, I've been working within an SNC department at school. I'm now working within the basketball department a lot more at school. Um, it's got enough money to pay the bills, gives me enough time to spend with Steph and Arlo and Edda, and I love what I do. Like, check, 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 nailed it, right? But now over the last little bit, it's kind of gone, all right, well, I've stopped playing basketball now, so I don't have that competitive outlet. Like, what's, can, what's my thing? What's next? What can, I, what can I do? And that's where I've kind of gone head first into the whole chase your greatness thing and trying to build that. But even there, there's, there's still a little itch somewhere that I'm not quite sure how to scratch yet. Like, is it a matter of, you know, me picking up martial arts or something like that and just pushing myself into my comfort zone that way like I did a half Ironman a few weeks back and I'm like do I go to a full one like it's I don't want I don't want that balance because I I get bored really easily and yeah I um yeah and because because of that something's got to sacrifice and I feel like it's the family time that's going to sacrifice I'm I'm trying so so hard to not sacrifice it as much, but be really, really present when I'm at yeah, home. Yeah. And I feel like I've gotten better at that. It's just even over the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've gotten better at that. But yeah, balance will kill me. Like, I'll be, no, I'll I just, be like I, said, I don't board. think balance works. I truly, truly don't think it works because I'm listening to you speak here now. I'm going, yeah, great. Balance is awesome, man. But then you're actually saying to me now, actually, you know what? They've got a new cheer that hasn't been scratched. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So it's it's probably worked to a point now. You've got all your needs covered. Family's safe and healthy and well and everything's going well. And you're like, yeah, but there's something else here. Mm. And, mate, you, you can't take away the competitor in yourself, right? So you, you're going to want to do Ironmans, marathons, jujitsu, boxing, whatever it is, things that you can put yourself under that competitive tension and allow you to be inside satisfied you know that you that you're scratching that itch mm. and it mate, you as long as i've known you you strike me as that guy that's what gonna sit home tonight and what watch this watch netflix and then on the weekend just go what watch netflix again and no nah, man you'll be training and you will you're right like because to train for a half to a triathlon or a marathon or whatever it means you're gonna have to get up in the morning because you still got work. You're not a pro athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So it means you're going to have to get up earlier. Still got bills to pay. Right? So that doesn't change. So that means what happens is, so the day, like there's pretty much a fixed, you know, eight till five, call it fixed, that you have to do every day. Okay, where am I going to fit this other shit in? Mm. I have to do it between four and eight or between five and nine. Okay, but where are the kids fit in here? Okay, then, I, then it means, you know what? You get up at four o'clock every morning to train because you know you want to be at home this makes your day longer but what it ultimately does is actually gives you so much more satisfaction because i'm sure after that try mate you felt a million bucks well probably not physically but i'm sure mentally you were like yep like achievement Mm. i've done something i've ticked a box in my head and i've achieved something it was funny like i reckon it comes down to part of the way we were raised to like we were raised to or like we were raised to be competitors we were raised to none of this, oh yeah, participation award, pat on the back, well done. It was like, yeah, go and, <laughs> go and achieve. Like uh, we, were, we were raised with that sort of uh, cutthroat mindset a little bit. Um, 
and it was just um, it was disguised well like i feel like i'm painting a bit of a picture of you know mum and dad sitting there cracking a whip over our backs and that kind of thing saying no nah, not good enough and that's not how it was at all like we grew up in an incredibly loving home an incredibly supportive home um but yeah it was very much a if you want to go and do something do it to the best of your ability and do whatever you have to do to do it correct yeah and we'll support you yeah exactly exactly yeah. right and it was funny like it's you know you speak to people that have done like half iron man's a a big deal but to me it had the word half attached to it like, yeah it's not the full one no so it was funny and and it was weird because i i just signed up for it once basketball was done i'm like i need something to do so i gave myself you know three and a half four months running and i'm like stuff it i'll just train for it and get through it and i did but the moment i crossed the finish line i was like okay What's next? It wasn't, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like <laughs> an overwhelming sense of achievement. I was like, oh, how good's that? It was like, okay, that's done. When's the full one? Like before I'd even walked out of the, the finish little compound recovery bit, I'm like, I wonder when the full one is. But you know the thing is too, mate, you know who you are mm. and Steph knows who you are and people around you know who you are and they know that the best version of you is that person. So, you know, you might have to give up a little bit over here but the part that you will be over there is going to be the best version because you're going to tick all these boxes over here. Mm. Yeah, it's going to make your day longer, no doubt. Make your life harder, no doubt, because you know what? You can't train you know, and go, well, I'll be gone in the mornings, go to work, and then come home gone all night. That, that just doesn't practically work when you've got a family and other responsibilities. But everyone will know we have to support him because mm. it's the best version. We want the best version of him. We don't want that person sitting around going, oh, I wish uh, I could, uh, you know, oh, I regret. They're miserable people to hang around. I mm. talk to our athletes about it all the time. The one word you don't want to have in a, any type of sentence at some point in your career is, oh, I regret not. No, you don't want to have that conversation. Mm. Yeah, you know what? There'll be things that you just can't do because you weren't good enough. Opportunity didn't come at the right time, whatever. But you don't want to have that conversation with yourself where you go, I regret not doing or should have done this. Yeah. That's really hard to live with, especially for an athlete when their careers end, you know, in their thirties and you've got fifty years plus to live. It's a shit that's a shit feeling. You know, mm. none of us want to live in a, a situation where you've got regret. It's um, nice it's nice to hear that that's a focus of, of what you do as well. Like yeah. it's it's the athlete as a whole and well it's not even the athlete as a whole, it's the person as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like the athlete is just one one aspect of their identity. Yeah. But you know that you've got like you said you've got 50 years after you you hang up the boots to to take care of like it's when you zoom out and have a look at the bigger picture like what you do from an athletic standpoint is just a small aspect of your entire life it's it's so it's it feels like a big big part and it does form your identity you know moving through your later years but the actual on field, on court, whatever it is that you're doing, is is a small part of, of your life. And, and I've drawn it. I've drawn it sometimes, like on a on like on a like on a what do you call it? Like a straight line graph or whatever you want to call it, where you go from zero to twenty, where you're growing up, school, education, whatever. You know, then you overlap a little bit there. Going, I'm an athlete, probably seriously from 15, 16 through to say 35. We'll say 35. Some people longer, some people shorter, but give or take. And then you do 35, and let's say the average person lives to 86. 90 let's just say or even 80 do it to Mm. 80 you go to 80 and you go wow when you draw it on that line you show that period of time versus what's left in life 
everything going well, you live healthy life, whatever, and the average lifespan is about 85, it's a lot of time. Mm. So you wanna make sure you get the most out of this part of the journey, but also set yourself up for that next part of the journey. The other part that I think I've learned over the journey too is it can change and it's okay to change. Like it's like kids, right? Like I've got, you know, my kids now are going through, my daughter's going to high school, my son's in year nine, going to year 10, picking subjects for jobs and live and whatever. I felt like when we were going through school, it was very much like you have to know, like you got to get this, you got to mm. nail this when you come out of year 12. Thing that I've been saying to my son, mate, you might choose that now and that might be your path for a period of time, but you might change into doing something else as well. And that's okay. Like it's okay to change. It's, it's okay to change tactic. It's okay not to be that person that you are then or want to be that, like as an athlete, you know, yeah, you might come out and go, I want to be a coach. And then you go, I hate being a coach now. I've done it for five years. I'm bored of it. That's okay. You can change. The thing is with online study and all these courses and everything that you can do now to either change tactic pretty quickly. Like when we were at school, mate, we didn't have that. It was like, I had to go to university to learn. It was a pain in the ass, mm. right? Now, do it all on the front of my laptop in my in my lounge room in my study. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking about doing this. Oh, I want to be an SNC. I might apply to be. I might go and do graduate diploma of sports science or whatever it is. I can do that now. Mm. You've got more options now than you've ever had. Don't feel like you're locked in a box. You can do anything and try. And you know what? Try it. Try it. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? That's the thing. When you, you see people wrap it up and they've got regrets and they talk about oh man I wish I did this or like you don't want to roll through life leaving cards in hand like no. you want to make sure that it's and it's something that over the last few years I've really started to do it's like well don't just think about it and don't just talk about it like if you if it's in your if it's in your head and it's something you think you would enjoy or you really want to get something out of well then just fucking bite the bullet and go for it like what's what do you got to lose I think sometimes it takes there's moments I think in life where like as morbid as this is I think sometimes when you sit at a funeral and you you're sitting there and you're hearing people talk about their you know this person's life and more often than not for me fortunately I've been most of the people I've been to funerals have been older not young but there's definitely moments where you've seen people that are young that you know you see on social media or whatever and you read the story and you reflect for a minute and go whoa like I'm 10 years older than what they are and they died. Now, would they be worried about the things that I'm worried about today? Probably not. I had a really cool conversation with one of our um, clients who's been through a life and death sort of situation. And her perspective on life and the world is unreal because they look at it very, very different because they've been, they've looked in that ball and gone, shit this could be gone now or soon and i may not get to old age like i may be gone you know life may unfortunately deal me the wrong hand and so the perspective they have when they come out of that is very different of like every opportunity taking it risk bring it on like i'm not leaving anything to chance on this journey because i don't know how long i've got i'm not living with regret and I love the mindset. And it's unfortunate that you have to go through a situation like that to think it. Mm. Um, but I hope, and I really want her to share her journey more too because I really think it's a really powerful message of 
you know, be sensible about living for the future and setting things up. Of course, you know, you don't want to be stupid, but live in the now, mm. like the moment, like what's going on right now. Cause you just never know when life might throw you a curveball, whatever that, and it might not be life or death. It could be something else that comes at you and you're like, shit, you know what? You might have an injury where you go, I can't use my arm anymore. Or I can't walk or that's changed my life now. I don't want to get to that. If I got to that point, I don't want to get to that point and go, geez, I wish I had gone and did that trip. Oh, I wish I had done that with the kids. Oh, I wish I had done this thing. No. As, as in a roundabout way, just don't want to live with regret. Yeah. You want to try and do everything you possibly can. And I think sometimes at a funeral or whatever it is, like I said, funerals for me, you sit there and you think about life, their life, where they were. And you know, you also think back and go, shit, I remember them 20, 25 years ago. And they're not that much older than, like, they weren't that much older than me. Mm. Shit, this has gone quick. Mm. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like, quick moment. If yeah. I haven't been living in the in the present, get back to it, mate. Mm. Like, you know. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, it was Peter Atia. His name is. He's yeah, right. A, he's a he's a I might write that down. Medical professional in um. How do you, in, what's in the surname? Atia. A double T I A. Um, he was on Andrew Huberman's podcast and he, um, he's big in terms of longevity and studying the, you know, the, the biology and the chemistry around um, living longer and what we can do, you know, just in terms of daily lifestyle changes to actually improve our lifespan. Yeah. Um, David Sinclair is another one. He's got, it's, it's, he's called the Lifespan Podcast where it dives into all that sort of stuff as well. Um, have you listened to Jim Quick? No. Quick Brain? No. Jim Quick's awesome. He's got his podcasts are all about twenty to thirty minutes, max thirty, usually probably fifteen to twenty five minutes. Yeah. Has all these really cool guests, and he had a guy on there that I just listened to last week, a longevity guy as well, mm. a doctor, and talks about what things can you do. I mean, it's funny. We around the dinner table last night. We were talking about this. I had my mum and dad over, and they're in their eighties, and we were just saying, you know, my mum's mum died when she was in her forties of ovarian cancer mm. now in this day and age she would have been like diagnosed treated and probably would have survived the journey back then long time ago they didn't have the, the medical technology and the resource to do it and so my parents now have lived you know probably lived to their 90s they're really healthy really well touch wood and then i was saying to my kids you know what with modern medicine and nutrition and the way we are now you'll probably get to 100 you guys will probably you'll be probably a generation that gets 100 will be the new 80 mm. because science is better medicine's better we, we we just understand and it's called evolution right mm. you'll probably 100 you know what your kids will probably get to 120 well, it'll that, probably that, start to happen that's what um david sinclair was saying like he was going the, the first person oh i better get the number right here um uh, might be wrong but he goes the first person to live that's going to live to 150 has already been born like i reckon you know what's funny mate i reckon my parents listened to this because mm. they said the same thing that yeah. what you just said then so i reckon this funny this conversation came up because i reckon it was exactly that they mm. said something they heard or listened to something of the, the person who's 150 is born yeah, yeah. but it, the whole premise behind it is you know putting the the body in a state of adversity like not eating as much or not eating less often and doing hard things and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone constantly because then it kicks your body's survival genes into, into action and then, you know, everything, all the longevity stuff kind of builds from that because it's it's 
gets you're not comfortable anymore it goes yeah. back to to the western world living in a state of comfort like we've got everything at our at our disposal and it's like well let's get your body out of its comfort zone constantly it helps you live longer it. yeah but anyway that we've gone off on a tangent what i was we knew we about, would though yeah exactly what i was saying about peter atia right um he was talking about this this calendar when it's called the whole my life in weeks and it's similar to the graph you were talking about that you go through with the athletes sometimes like it's just a big a big poster with you know however many little boxes on it and each box represents one week of your life so say if you've got if you put in you go all right well you know i want to live till i'm 100 so you bang go on your website go i think it's just mylifeinweeks.com or whatever it is and you type in 100 to give it'll send you a poster with 100 years worth of weeks in boxes just tiny little boxes and every time a week goes past you've done it no, I, I, I want to though. I'm yeah. going to probably go and tell Mate, I'll, I'll probably do the same thing. I'm fascinated yeah. now. I'm curious. I'm like... <laughs> so I'll go out there and... and but you, every Sunday night, you go 7 p.m. hits and you write a little alert and you go and colour in another box. And then you're looking at this poster and you take a step back and have a look and you think, well, all of these you know black boxes that I've coloured in and all of these white empty boxes beneath it represents your life and it can be you can view it one or two ways you can see it really really morbidly as like shit i've only got this much time left or you can flip it and change your perspective and go look at how much life i've got left how good is this look at what i've done and look but look how much time i've got to do everything else yeah like and he was saying that he's on his poster he's red marker out and circled major major weeks in his life so going ahead it might be his 50th and it might be when you know his, his kid's 21st and it might be um you know when they're going to graduate college or whatever it is and so on your post you're looking ahead and you've got these red circles coming up and it might seem really close but obviously they could be like you know 100 weeks away yeah, right. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not far away. So it does, you kind of look at it and think, shit, I've got to make the most of this time because it's not far away. Perspective, right? Yeah. It goes back to that perspective thing of like showing you, giving you perspective of where you're at. What you, Like again, depending on how you look at it. Mm. could It could actually really hurt people. Some people with mind the mindset of like, oh shit, I've, I haven't got long to go. Yeah. Rather than going, man, I've got so much time to go. Some people I think it would work really well for. Other, Other people, people it could just, put them into a spiral, yeah. spiral out of control mentally and be like, life's over. Yeah. Um, but perspective is, you know, I think is... And, and relativity, I think, is also really important too. Everything's relative to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I we will digress. Of course we will. But, you know, when people talk about problems, the thing that I've probably learnt more, probably in the last 10 years, is just because your problem... Is, is trivial in my word world doesn't mean your problem's not serious for you because it's relative to your life. Mm. And I think we have to be understanding of that. And I think it helps us be more patient and more understanding with people when we just take a sp- step back and go, you know what, for that person, this problem is huge. On a scale of one to 10, it's probably a nine. In your life, probably not. But it doesn't, don't trivialize it because it doesn't mean it's not serious because for them it's serious. Mm. I think we all have that moment because I'll look at things you go oh mate I had this and you, I'll be like oh, yeah really Chris do you want me to tell you what a real problem is <laughs> and it's like but that's wrong because I'm trivializing what's really relative in your, and serious in your life and if I tell you what my problem is you might go mate it's not a problem no it is hmm. like and I think for me being able to, to be that 
you know, to understand that now helps me better with people because if you sit down and go, mate, fuck, you know, last night this happened, I'll be like, mate, I'm really, I'm really sorry to hear that. In, in my deep down, I'll be going, mate, grow up. Mm. Like, you're fine. But that's not, it's not fair. It's not right. It's all relative. Everything's relative to your stage of life, you know, your experiences, expectations, all of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's... It is. It does help you when you're um, dealing with people, for sure. Like, and it comes back to what you do. Like, you think about one sports and entertainment, and you think about, you know, the the client base that you've got, and the values of the business, and the values of you as a person, as the head of the business. Like, yep. it does help you with those clients, and I guess it would help you with, you know you've probably got to the stage now where you can be a bit more picky and choosy with the people that you bring in. And actually, we were talking about this the other day. We're talking about the fit, right? Fit. Like, like they, the moment they walk through the door, if you are going to commit to representing them, yep. you see it as a long-term commitment. You see it as a, yep, yeah, I am going to represent you to the best of my ability until you choose to, to walk away or you do something stupid that forces me to terminate the agreement. But... Yep. But there's got to be that fit for it to work. Now, for you, what what's the fit? What what is that? What is that that someone has to have that makes the partnership fit and make it work? Yeah, I think it comes back to the same theme around people that are high performers, and you know, everyone is a high performer. You know, it can be a high performer at different levels, but you want people that are going to work on their craft to the to the best of their ability to the highest standard possible that for me sort of like is the is the non-negotiable it's also you know what are they like to you know as people you know to communicate with to get along with um we're in a people business um it can have moments where it gets you know it's it it's very time consuming it's all encompassing when you buy into an athlete or any type of you know person that we represent you buy into every part of their life I'm very much, a, I say, a hands-on person where I like to be involved in everything they do. I like to build a relationship. I'd say there's a lot of our clients that I have a friendship with. And I think if I looked at it now, if I couldn't tick any of those boxes, because it comes back to that whole thing about filling your cup, right? And what makes you feel, I like helping people. Helping people is not, the contract might come up twice a year, three times a year, but it's in every other aspect of their life, giving them some support, help, whatever that is. If you don't feel like you're going to be, you know, working with that person to that level, you're probably just not the right person for me. It's not to say, you know, that there's probably someone out there for you, just not good fit for me. I like to be actively engaged and working with lots of communication, lots of brainstorming. Um, I love to challenge them. I've always been someone of the view that, you know, my job's not just to sit there and say yes to everything. And again, that's not always a perfect fit for someone. Some people want a person that says yes and does pretty much what they're told and asked to do. And that's okay. That's a that's a particular fit in a particular model, just not my model and doesn't work for me. So for me, it's a, you know, people that want to achieve, that want to, you know, disrupt, um, that that want to do everything they can in and outside, out, in and out of their profession whether they're a trainer whether they're a footballer basketballer musician whatever it is 
but they're doing everything they can to be the best version of themselves because then that helps me do what I do. And then I obviously then, like you would, when you've trained people, the energy you get back from someone who's given everything, how much energy do you give Mm -hmm. back? You give back just as much. Mm -hmm. I often talk about a 50-50 rule with clients, even new people that I've spoken to, you know, talk to. It's like, we both have to give 50% to this to work. I can't be given 80 and you give 20 because that won't work. We both have to be giving something this. We both we have to feed this relationship so that we can make it work and it'll prosper for both of us. That's really, really important. Mm. Have you had any conversations where you've had people that you've you've had on your book and then um, like you've had to have those difficult conversations? Like you said, you like to challenge people where they're just not not pulling their weight. They're they're in there and they're giving 10, 15, 20% and you feel like you're you know, you're really going above and beyond for them and they're not, they're just not not meeting their end of the bargain? To be really honest, not a lot. I've been really, really fortunate. Uh, and I think as time goes on, you get better at picking like-minded or people that you know work best and fit with you. But we've been really fortunate in the sense that we haven't had to have many of those conversations with people. I mean, there's genuinely sometimes, you know, relationships just dissipate through natural causes, right? People go in different directions, you go in different directions, and that's okay. And not nothing bad, they just disappear. And you know, well, I shouldn't say disappear. They just we just separate because it's mutually, you know, beneficial. Not working. Hey, life's changed. Mm. That's okay. Like, you know, I'm I'm all about people being having the freedom to make their choice and choose to do what they want to do. Never going to force someone to stay here and work with us and be part of what we do if they don't want and they don't believe in us. Because at the end of the day, if they're not, they've got to believe in me and they've got to believe in us as a group and everything that we bring. And if you don't believe in us, that's okay. Mm. Like you're in, you're allowed to make that decision. And you know what? I really wish you the best. There's no one that we don't work with now that I still, if I saw them, still wouldn't want the best for them. Still do. And to this day, occasionally I'll text people that if I see something that they've done, text them and say, hey, great job. You know, I'm really proud of what you've done because I know the work you've done I know the journey you've been on like it still doesn't stop you because that's the human side of what we do mm. yeah and it probably comes back to the bullshit detector anyway well, the moment they step through the door you can probably you can probably you know feel what they want out of out of representation like if they yeah. come through the door you go alright I know that deep down I kind of get the sense that you just want someone that's going to bend to your every every wish and say yes to every little thing that you put up and I'm not that person so I'm gonna I'm just gonna respectfully say thanks but no thanks it's not gonna fit and turn your way before you even get to the point where you need to have that conversation completely mm. yeah I mean like I said I think first impressions I mean I I've learnt certainly over the journey to back my gut feel and if my gut feels telling me no or and again sometimes it's not always no Sometimes my gut feels like, go away and think about it. Like, there's gut feels where you go, perfect fit, love this person, like I can see this working. Mm. There's other times where you're like, I'm not sure. It's not telling me no, but it's not telling me outright yes. So maybe go and think about it. Maybe call someone who might know them that have dealt with them or have been a teammate or whatever it is and see if you can get some more insight to go, hey, maybe that's what I'm thinking. The other thing that I think sometimes we all fall in the trap of is we've listened to someone's opinion and we've gone, hey, do you want to represent Chris Blissavs? 
fuck, he's a shit bloke. Why? Oh, mate, he was he was my teammate, or he was a teammate with a friend of mine down at this basketball club three years ago, and he did this and this. Oh, really? None of this is true, by the way. No, no, none of it's true. This is all hypothetical. <laughs> this is uh, this is like fictional, right? This well, is hypothetical, I like to right? Think I carry myself in a half decent <laughs> way. But you, but it's like, okay, I heard that. Um, I I got to tell you though, like maybe fifteen years ago, I probably listened to it going, oh man, he's not. A, what a, that's an average bloke. Why would he do that? And this guy wouldn't bullshit me, right? This person telling me this wouldn't. Whereas now I'm very much of the view of, hmm, your view of him is probably polarized by something else as well. So you're probably not giving me the full story of what happened. So I won't take that. I'm going to go on my gut feel. Thank you for the insight. Maybe there's 20% there that's true, but I reckon there's some mayo on it as well because of your own prejudices and personal relationship that may or may not have gone right. Um, and I'm very, very conscious of that, not to listen to all the external noise because there's definitely been some clients on the journey and a couple that we've got now that have been around us for you know 10 years where I, when I went through the process of looking to work with them, I heard things that weren't necessarily favorable and I didn't listen to it. And I went with my gut saying, you know what, that's not, I don't think that's right. Let me do some more work. And sure enough, 10 years later it wasn't right but again people have got their own view of these people because of their own circumstance and that's okay we don't have to all like the same person <laughs> that, mm. that's fine like no problems at all but I'm going to treat people how they treat me mm. um, having said that though you know you do you pick up on that gut feel and if that was true we'll see it mm. it'll come out in time it's very like I feel like people don't give enough credit to what you get taught in kinder and the early years of primary school. You like you treat other people how you like to be treated. Like it's, a it's, such a, it's right? such a it's day one of, of prep that is one of the golden rules that you pick up. Like, how would you like to be treated? Would you like it if little Johnny did that to you? Well, like, oh, no. Like I'm having the same conversation with with Arlo with him. You know, he's three and a half. And I'm like, how would you like it if, if you know Edda did that to you or Mum or Dad did that to you? He's like, oh, I wouldn't like it. Okay, well then, you know, make don't sure do we it. don't do it to other people. Yeah. Or and he's learning the, it from three, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Or on the flip side, it's like, how does that make you feel when, when we share our things with you? It's like, oh, that's really nice. Or, you know, when we offer to do this or give you hugs or whatever it is, and it's like, okay, well, if that makes you feel good, then try and make other people feel good. Like, it's 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 so funny. Like, you think it... people. I feel like people get the idea that it stops at primary school. It's like, you learn it, it's like, great, but... Mate, when it comes down to it, everything that we do from a career standpoint, a relationship standpoint, anything that involves people, it's got to be like, all right, we'll treat people the way you would like to be treated. It's Simple, not, right? It's and easy. people get more complicated, right? Obviously, as we get older, we're more complicated because we've got different views and experiences and whatever. But the principle's still the same. And then I think also being understanding of other people as well because they have had different experiences and situations in their life that you know have made them the way they are so it's trying to be understanding of that too and again it's that whole thing of it's all relative you know your stuff is relative to you my stuff's relative to me and just trying to have you may not understand it completely but just try to have a little bit of empathy towards going hey you know what they're different to me i look at things differently give them a benefit of the doubt and when you're having a conversation try to understand a little bit more as to why maybe they're uh, responding or doing what they're doing mm would save probably a lot of arguments. Yeah. Just having a little bit more patience, right? Yeah. A little bit more patience with people. Yeah. Well, you see it in, like, any time there's an issue, 
around anything now. Everyone's just quick to jump on their soapbox and try and jam their opinions down people's throats. It's like, well, hang on a second, just take a minute and stop and listen. And it's the same from both. Like, yeah. Hey, you're happy for people to have an opinion. Yeah. As long as it's an informed opinion, right? Mm. I mean, I had, again, you know, I had this issue with a client um, a couple of years ago, you know, when we dealt with all the COVID stuff. And, um, you know, my, my view on everything was I'm not one way or another. Like, I'm very balanced. But if you're going to form a view, form it with good information. You know, if you're going to, you know, have, have an argument or a position... For, for one side that you believe is right and that's your prerogative you can you can have that just do it with on the basis of good information mm. don't form it and go well i i've got this view and it's a strong view and i know this is right but i where did you hear it from oh i read it on you twitter. know I, I read it on twitter or i heard this person talking about it at the gym or it's like oh no this is the problem so then you go and then share your view someone else who maybe isn't as informed forms that view and then all of a sudden this this view multiplies out and becomes destructive it's like just do your homework and your research and if you're going to have a view make sure the view is informed mm. don't care what the view is because we we're, we're all entitled to our own views and opinions and that's okay you know we want balance mm. it's always good to have balance so that we can have fruitful conversations and debates about different issues because that's what i think makes the world go round but make sure your data source of when you're forming your view is a good one. Mm. And then try and understand the, the other argument as well. Like Listen. take Yeah, like just just slow down a little bit and listen and try and... Uh, it comes back to, you know, just taking a moment and, yeah, understanding the, the relativity of it. Like, yeah. you've got, this, you've got this, this point of view that you firmly believe in but stop and actually have a think it's like all right well where's the other side of the argument coming from and yeah i don't know it's it's interesting it's interesting it's it's something that i don't people definitely don't do enough of they're very quick to put their two bobs in and we'll just die on that hill yeah it's crazy i mean look and i think you know none of us i'm not perfect by any stretch and there's definitely some issues where you, you know, you probably have a stronger opinion than others and you definitely want to push that forward. But I think it's you've got to restrain yourself from doing that as best you can so that you do have balance. Constructive conversations are good, right, where you can hear different views. And maybe, you know what, maybe I might necessarily change it, but I might at least understand it and go, you know what, there are two sides to this story. I've got my side, they've got their side. That's okay. But definitely having balance and but again you know it's the, the forming it based on good information mm. th- that's the thing for me and i think covid for me definitely brought out the, the best and worst of people but we won't go there yeah i think i don't I, I don't think that's reset yet either i feel like we're three four years on from that and it's still it's like the whole covid thing has almost become a thing of the past but how people think and talk and act and behave hasn't it's very much a Lord of the Flies type of setup out there, which is pretty wild. But there's a wedge in society now because of it. Mm. You know, there's relationships that have been fractured that will never repair. Um, but such is life, right? That's like, it. what do you do? That's it. Um, talk me through your decision to go back to uni. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting one. Um, 
so it came out of personal circumstance you know i was going through um you know some some issues in business and um was represented by you know um someone in the legal profession and in going through that process wasn't really satisfied with where i ended up and what i was getting and so my thought was well you know what i'm going to go and teach myself so i enrolled and started a law degree um because i thought you know what i don't you know i I don't necessarily think i definitely know that i wasn't probably represented to the level that i had wanted to be but you know i didn't have enough knowledge to know whether it was or wasn't Mm. (laughs) i felt it again go back to gut feel my gut feel was telling me it wasn't right but I, you know what, I didn't have enough knowledge to be able to ask questions or challenge things. So went back and studied and ended up doing, what did I end up doing? I think I've gone on 12 subjects of a law degree. I think you need 30, I think. So I'm probably about a third of the way a full law degree, but I've got a master's of business law. So, you know, real estate, tax, commercial, um, consumer, um, you know, the introduction to the whole legal system, indigenous law, all that type of stuff. So it gave me a really good grounding and foundation on most of the areas of law that I probably would need in my day-to-day. So looking at leases, looking at contracts, disputes. Um, yeah, I now know, you know, case law. You know, I now know how to look for it. I now know how to read legislation properly. properly. Um it was a really really valuable thing for me and again you know at this stage in my life the education was all about a need that I had and a want and I love to learn and get better and I was like well I'm going to put this in back in my favor and I'm going to take control of this myself so if I ever get into this situation again the circumstance of how I deal with it would be different mm. so I could now ask certain questions and go hey what about this or what about that or you know what maybe even challenge it myself because mm. you would have been what so say one's been around for 15 16, yeah 15 16 years 15, 16 yeah 16 years and you would have been comfortably what 12 you know that oh, no more than that probably like yeah 13, it, was, it would have been years. it would have been 12 it would have, yeah it would have been close to that mm, yeah before you made the call yeah but and it was circumstance that really drove it yeah the circumstance that i was in at that point it was a tough juggling everything Mate, really, COVID was probably the benefit mm. of all that because I was able to work and study at home. So, you know, I, was, I didn't have to travel or do anything. So I was able to find, you know, extra time. Absolutely still tough because, you know, I spent, because I was still working, I'd end up spending my weekends studying. Mm. So, I, you know, and it was a heavy law. The laws are really heavy, you know, subject around reading cases and legislation and so the amount of reading you had to do to understand it, put it in context, um, was probably the thing that I underestimated, if I'm mm. being honest. Didn't realize just how much reading you have to do if you want to do it well. Um, I mean, I knew you had to do some, but probably not to the same level. Mm-hmm. And still, being- do, still do it if, if, if you said to me, oh, would you do it again? 100% I would. Mm. And you being the type of person that, again, if you're going to do something, you do it properly. Yep. Would have gone above and beyond the level of, reading that you needed to do just you know and i started to learn i mean i just what i but i also obviously have really high standards but i also realized you know what the balance thing of i'm not going to be able to do everything well mm. so if i'm going to get through this 
I, I actually know myself because I'd have to then give up my work and I couldn't give up my business. So the, you get back to the, yeah, the, the balance, seesaw, the, the seesaw, balance, yeah. right? I was like, I just have to accept the fact that I'm going to do this to the absolute best of my ability, but it's probably not the best because I've still got to do this over here. And a sole focus on it would have been very, very different. Mm. But I still feel like I did the best I could with the time and everything else that I had. Yeah, it's definitely, and it's clearly helped moving forward too. Like when it comes to new contracts, clients, that kind of oh, thing. 100%. And, and I know where to go now to find information. You know, I can craft, you know, probably better worded emails. Um, I understand, you know, the power of a contract and the elements to the contracts that make a difference. What, you know, I shouldn't say that none of them make a difference, but there's some things that are stronger in them than others. Um, you know, even around consumer law, around advertising and marketing, things you can and can't do and say, yeah, there's been, you know, leases, you know, you know, from a from a, a contract point of view or from a real estate point of view, how that whole work thing works. So yeah, I've been, I've got great knowledge now or more knowledge now that he's just another string to your bow, right? And we're always just trying to better, like better ourselves. So we've got that little bit extra that we can offer that maybe someone else doesn't have. Mm. I like the whole mindset that if you want something done right, just do it yourself. <laughs> like that's why you went back in the first place because you kind of you're in that situation. Like, that was oh, the need, right? Yeah. Then the, the need at that point was like, you know, I need to know this mm. because I don't want to be in a situation that I'm out of control. And again, being a bit of a control freak, right? It's like I need to have some control back here, and the only way I can get control back in this type of a situation if I go through it again is having the knowledge. It's mm. good. How much um what's the workload like with this because i feel like you know people watch series like entourage and they watch ballers and they see you know the the bright lights and the flashy cars and the high profile stars that you know walk in and out of the office and then that's what they get sold on but i feel like not many people understand the behind the scenes work that goes on in this type of industry no, I think if you do it, do it well. And I'd say most people do it well. Like mm. there's a lot of people. I mean, they do it different, but I think they do it well. Um, it's a twenty four seven business, whether you like it or not. You know, we talked about work life balance. Very, very difficult. Now, it's not saying you're on all the time in twenty four hours, seven days a week. But I guess for us, the way our business is structured is that we've got businesses, other businesses, and clients in other markets around the world, which makes it challenging in terms of your day because it can start really, really early and finish really, really late. And it can also, you know, go into your weekend because in North America, our Saturday is their Friday. So it's still a business day. So, you know, you get Sunday, but then you've also got local things that come up, you know, and you've also got, you know, again, being a hands-on agent that I am, our clients are all competing on weekends, you know, sports done on the weekends. So of course, you're either at a sporting event, watching it on TV, following it on internet, texting them talking to them so you, there's never a moment where you, you're actually completely removed from it it's it's pretty much there all the time and then at different times it peaks sometimes it stops you know shallows out um, but like you said you know you you see the glitz and the glamour and there is some of it right there's some cool stuff that we do we get to go on, you know, Olympic Games or a World Championship or an NBA Finals or whatever and sit close to the action and experience it, you know, because someone you're working with is, is involved with it. Olympic gold medals, whatever it is. But that's 
that's one part and it's there's a lot of other parts to it and again I don't expect that everyone's going to see that because a lot of it's confidential mm. so you, there's a lot of things that you just can't share because mm. it's behind the scenes and I think the best agents in my opinion I mean I've always been the guy that stays behind the camera I always like to be behind the camera I don't want to be the guy that's out there I think when you're starting to then become and compete with your clients <laughs> profile and then you've lost the whole purpose of what it is you're doing you know my job is to be a support it's not to actually be leading them out in front now leading me out in front of negotiations or issues or anything like yeah but not from a public profiling perspective that's not mm. what I've ever intended to do and don't and won't do yeah it's yeah no I think people great leaders you know have the ability to and you see it in teams like they're not always the ones yeah they've got the media stuff they have to do like but great leaders have a way to do it without you know really being in front of the camera the entire time there's aspects of that, that you've got to do for sure but 100%. you've got to be able to drive the ship without people knowing essentially yeah and I think there's a there's a like you said there's there's moments where you do have to be front and center whether it's you know helping them lead an issue or you know making a stand on something yeah absolutely but I think you know our job is best done behind closed doors and it's like anything in this industry managing issues media hype anything it's best being done behind the curtain not not in front of the curtain there's enough stuff that'll be shown we don't have to show everything yeah yeah exactly that's it I mean the media have a way of highlighting all the bad points you don't want to get roped up or roped in all the bad stuff as well but you know they're not bad you know a lot of the stuff that that gets put out there is is not even that bad really Mm. it's sensationalized and dramatized because that's what people are interested to hear and read about I mean again I, I don't read what's in the newspaper and ever of anyone even if I don't represent them if I, you know, anyone, an actor, an actress or whatever, and you read something, I'm like, meh, you know what? That's probably half bullshit because mm. I know where stuff's been written about our clients and I know it's probably all bullshit and I'm like, that's factually incorrect. Mm. I actually know it is. You know, I know that that's not right, you know. Um, How do you deal with that then? Because like we're living in a, in a clickbait world and this stuff gets thrown out there from anybody with a camera or a phone or snapchat or whatever it is and yep. when that stuff ends up going viral like how do you deal with the whole damage control aspect of it and, it's, and especially when you know it's not true i think the damage control piece starts by not putting yourself in a situation to be there for in the first place so i always say to people you know if you're out and about with your friends put your phone away you don't have to record everything you know, not everyone has to know everything that you do. That's okay. Because, you know, the whole idea of social media and you having control of that platform is that you show what you want to show. So you don't have to show everything that you do, whatever that is. Mm. So for me, the risk mitigation starts by not doing it. Unfortunately, once you're in the public light and it's on the internet and it's out in the digital landscape, it makes it very, very hard because it's like a weed. It just spreads and you cut one part off and then it grows over here and you cut that part off and it mm. grows over there. Very difficult. The, the best strategy for that is by being careful about what you do up front. Mm. Keep your phone away. You know, be careful when you, you know, the, the social media is a public platform. It's like talking to the media. It's the same thing. 
Don't share anything there that you aren't comfortable everybody knowing. And I think if you have a basic rule that says that, you, you, you'll be okay, right? On, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, and you see it as a massive problem in schools now too. That's the reason why the Victorian government had to bring in that, that school, the phone ban across like check Man, in, I, check out at the end of every day. Like, I can't believe what kids of today haven't, I mean, they, look, we can't, you know, we can't ban technology completely because it also has been very advantageous with their education. If it wasn't for technology, mate, we wouldn't have had learning like we did during COVID for these kids, right? So they would have lost their engagement with school and probably regressed a lot. So technology in that sense was really, really good. So there's good and bad in everything. I think for us with kids, it's more about as parents, how we control what they do and don't do, use, see. That's on us. Mm. Like we have that responsibility as parents, you know, and not that I'm a parent to our clients, but because some of them, you know, we're all the same age. But, you know, our obligation is to help them understand if they don't, most of them do, um, just what it actually means when you do those certain things. Because if you don't want to be scrutinized, don't put it out there. Mm. Yeah. Sounds simple, doesn't it? I mean, it does when we break it down like this, but then there's also lots of other factors, right? You might have a couple of drinks, you know, you're caught up in a moment where you're, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to take a photo of that. Chris, that's so funny. Bang. Oh, I'm going to share that. And you just don't know. And you, I'm going to share it to my close group of friends. But do you really know everyone that well? Mm. They're close, but are they that close? Is it your brother, sister, best mate? Like, and if someone thinks it's funny or could get some social currency out of sharing it, um, or turn it off, turn it off. They will. Mm. Right. Oh, I should have said what Chris did. I'm going to send it to this guy. I oh, know he won't share it with anyone. We've all heard that, mate. Yeah, yeah. He won't. No, yeah. I trust him. He's a great bloke. Sends it to his girlfriend. Have a look at Chris. You're out of control now. Mm. How do we stop that? And then she's gone. Well, she doesn't know you. you she doesn't know that you're the friend of the friend. So then she shares it to two of her friends. Mm. And then straight away now, we've probably got 30 people looking at this funny thing that was close friends. Yeah. And then it's... Out of control. Like, just just calling up a, you know, a news outlet who are just hunting for bullshit stories now. Mate, you can send emails. Because yeah. they've got all their emails or they've got their social handles on there as journalists that write. They've got social handles in the paper and online where you can go, hey, check this out. Mm. So before you know it, before you've got home, it's a night out. So you're at nine p.m. before you, before it hits midnight, it's Mate, it's out. Yeah, fifty people have looked at it, and now it's going to be out public. Well, it's already public once you share it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's now, and then you wake up in the morning, probably with your phone blown up, going, "Have you seen the photo that was sent last night?" You're like, "What photo? Huh? What? Oh no, that was my close group of friends. Was it? How close?" Mm. Then it makes you look and go, "Who can I trust? Mm. Who's in my circle?" that's genuinely in my circle. And I think you'll find more often than not, a lot of those problems that happen surface from people, maybe not in your direct circle, but around the second or third layer. Mm. It's not random. No. I, I wish it was more random. Can, it's not more random. You can join the dots pretty comfortably. I think so. I think you could comfortably work through it and go, okay, I sent it to this person, this person, okay, it wasn't, yep, them, oh, who did they, oh, yep, okay, yep. I sort of now know. Mm. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's um, 
let's look to to wind this thing down because I remember walking through the door. He told me, "He's like, mate, I've been up since like quarter to four this morning. Got a phone call and <laughs> just dealing with shit everywhere." So I won't chew up much more of your time, but I guess from someone who's worked obviously as an incredibly high achiever yourself with what you do here at one. Um, but surrounding yourself with elite performers in a bunch of different fields from athletes to actors to musicians to you know social figures and those kinds of things what do you see as a common trait between all of these people that help them achieve achieve what they want to achieve I think they have um, a selfishness and I say that with the utmost respect and I know if they listen to this they would 100% they'll probably smile and go yep got it 100% they're they're selfish to an extent Um, they don't accept mediocrity they don't handle losing very very well Um, they're always you know looking for they're inquisitive in looking for ways to be better and you know every little 1% whatever it is sleep eating supplements you know treatment whatever it is they're all looking for those little pieces that you know when the sum of those pieces adds up to a big piece they're all they're all chasing for that um the thing that i'd say the best ones is they're open to feedback so they're happy to listen to different views they're happy to take feedback on board and i think that probably holds a lot of people back if they want to be really really ultra successful in this industry is being able to listen and receive feedback but also give feedback it's okay if you're getting it but you've got to be able to give it um, I think it's important as well because not everything that you get as feedback is right I mean it's not right and sometimes it's got prejudice against it and all those types of things but you still want to listen to it there might be something in it but then you've got to be able to listen to it take it in the right way and then respond to it mm. in, in another way and you'd have that conversation around it as well yeah absolutely um I mean, they're probably, for me, you know, they're, they're constantly looking to improve their craft, whatever it is they do. And, you know, I think it all comes back to they want to be the best at what they do. And it doesn't matter whether they're a broadcaster, it doesn't matter whether they're an athlete, it doesn't matter whether they're a trainer, it doesn't matter what they are. All of those common themes appear in those people and you see it. And it, it makes it hugely rewarding to work with but equally hugely challenging because they're challenging you all the time to think and do things differently and they want to be challenged to think and do things differently as well Mm. Um, but that's what makes it so much fun Um, if you didn't have that then I think for me you know probably that's where I probably can do my best work when that actually happens Mm. BK it's a pleasure appreciate your time mate and this uh, non-stop day that you're having um no, thanks for, for making or setting aside a little bit of time to, to sit down and and chew the fat with me, mate. Appreciate it. Loved catching up with you, mate. It's always good to see you. I think, uh, you know, I look at you and your family and everything that you've got, and I think you, you talk about chasing greatness, mate. I think that family, has you guys are all chasing greatness in everything that you do, whether it's marking football, whether it's you in your basketball that you had, whether it's you being a S&C, whether it's you being a teacher, whether it's you doing your podcast, you know, you're chasing it, Sarah's chasing it. I think it's, mate, it's awesome. And it's good being around people like that, so. 
It is, mate. It's all, life's all about the people, isn't it? Appreciate no it, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate.